Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's up, family? Thank you for tuning in to the Dream Nation podcast. My name is Casanova. I'll be your host, and I'm excited to be bringing to you entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and trailblazers from around the world. Stay locked in with us because we're about to go on a journey that will change your life. What's up, Dream Builder? We are back again, and we have an episode today that I'm really excited, and I know I always say I'm excited, but I'm excited to bring this one to you. And the reason being is because I feel like, obviously, we all are entrepreneurs at heart. We're all trying to solve lots of problems in our personal lives and even in our professional lives. But a lot of the times, we don't necessarily know how we can turn that dream into a reality, and we feel stuck. And for a lot of people, they feel stuck in a corporate environment. But today, what we're going to talk about with with Mr. Expert Austin Belkak is how you can turn that dream that you have into a reality within your current situation if you're not currently an entrepreneur. So without further ado, please help me in welcoming my friend, Mr. Austin Belkak. El Austin, you want to go ahead and say what's up to Dream Nation? Yeah, well, Casanova, thanks for having me, man. And Dream Nation, thanks for tuning in. I'm, I'm super excited to be here. Oh, yeah. It's exciting to have you here. So talk me through the way that I always, I don't know if you've listened to the show before, but the way that I always love to start off these episodes is I compare us as entrepreneurs, uh, thought leaders, change makers to superheroes. And the reason being is because we're constantly, we're flying around the world as best as we can, whether that means physically or virtually nowadays, we're putting on our cape and we're trying to solve some of the world's biggest problems. And I know that that's what you've been doing, but a lot of the times when people see you, whether it's on YouTube, whether they see your website, they see the publications you've been featured in, they see you as a superhero. They see you as this S on the chest Superman. But what a lot of people can't describe, especially when talking about Superman is behind the scenes, who is Clark Kent? So that's my question for you today. When the cameras are off, when no lights are on, behind the scenes, when it comes to Austin Belkak, tell us, take us back and tell us who is that Clark Kent? Yeah. So, I mean, I like to think that I'm a, a pretty regular guy, um, you know, outside of- As Clark Kent was. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I got the glasses <laughs> on. And uh, no, I, I uh, outside of work, you know, I focus a lot on my family. We were just talking in the pre-show. Uh, about your family and and you know my wife and I just just moved we had a we had a son and the whole reason that I started my business was to spend more time with my son um actually recently uh on Monday I had the day off to hang out with him I was planning to take him to a tree farm and I got an email about uh being on a national TV segment for you know I don't know if you heard of the better.com layoffs the guy laid off 900 people over zoom it's like all over anyways yeah. they wanted me to come in and talk about that and it was the same day shoot, and I I politely declined, and I referred them referred them to some other people, and I I was like, look, I took the day off to like, hey, it's my kid's first Christmas, we're going to the Christmas tree farm, like that's what I want to be doing, and that's why I became an entrepreneur. Like I could have, I worked at Microsoft in my corporate career, I had an awesome job, I could have stayed there, but the reason I decided to jump ship and take this risk was because I wanted to own my time, own my schedule, and spend more of that with the people I love doing the things that I wanted to be doing. And so that to me is is what this whole thing is all about. And that's those are kind of the values that drive uh, everything that you see when, when the Superman costume is on. 
Yeah. Now, I, I love that you said that. And there's so much to unpack there. But take us back because it seems like from somebody just hearing, hey, you had the corporate job and not only just the corporate job, you were at Microsoft, one of the biggest, most successful companies ever. And so it seems like you had it made. Right. And take us back and tell us about your journey, your path, like growing up. Did you grow up in, in the society that said, hey, you know, you want to get a good job, go to school, get that degree? Or did you grow up in, in Microsoft and computers just happened to be your love and that was how you found this dream job for you yeah so it's a great question i mean when we grow up right we're kind of put into this system where you you go to school you know you're expected to show up in class you study there's a test you get good grades you're told that you're going to be successful and that's kind of the path that you go on and then there's the the next system which is you graduate and there's this job search system and we can talk about that in a second but same type of deal and what i always struggled with was trying to understand like how some of these classes were relevant to me or why uh, certain things that we did were, were, you know, why we were forced to do them. So, you know, for example, if I'm taking a theology class, um, being somebody who's not like super religious myself, I'm like, I don't see how this plays into me or my goals. I don't know how this is going to help me in the future. Or maybe, you know, a different example, you're taking, taking a class like an art class. Um, and I actually really like art, but I'm not seeing how this is going to impact my ability to achieve the goals that I have later. And so I really struggled with the fact that, you know, the system was telling us you got to do this, like this is the only path. And I felt a lot of resistance to that. And so growing up, uh, I always struggled to understand what I wanted to do. And initially, I kind of uh, sold out a little bit because, you know, our parents, our teachers, figures of authority from from the moment we can talk basically they're like what do you want to be when you grow up like there's so much pressure around that idea and that decision and that question you know when you're young you can be anything right i want to be an nfl quarterback i want to be an astronaut everybody's like yeah like casanova you can do it like just put your mind to it and then you get older and all of a sudden you're like i want to be a writer and people are like well you can't get paid doing that like why don't you get a real job and so all of a sudden the scope mm. of acceptable answers narrows and we're like, well, what happened? Like, I thought I could be an astronaut. Now I can't even be a writer. Like, what's the deal? And that that's where the struggle comes in. So for me, I kind of sold out and I was like, well, I'm just going to pick something that like a TV career, like, you know, you, you watch a show and you see lawyers and doctors and people in finance. I'm like, I'm just going to pick one of those because I, it'll make my parents happy. It'll make other people happy. So I told everybody I wanted to be a doctor um, and, you know, I got the nods of approval and the smiles, but I quickly found out that that's not really what I wanted to be because when I went to college, I immediately failed chemistry. I immediately failed a couple of other classes, prerequisites that, that you need to, to get into med school. And truthfully, what I wanted to be was an entrepreneur. So my mom had a, had a corporate job for most of her career. My dad became an entrepreneur earlier on in his career. So he'd been an entrepreneur for most of my entire life. And he also sort of had this mentality of not really buying into the system. And so I, I did see, you know, that resonated with me a little bit. And I said, well, I want to do my own thing. Like, I want to own my time. I want to own my business. Like, I don't want anybody telling me what to do. So I wanted to be an entrepreneur. But the problem was I couldn't, I couldn't find any way to make it happen. So I came up with all these crazy ideas. Like I came up with, I, I wanted to start an apparel company, which, you know, I think we've all had that idea at one point. Um, I wanted to start like a, a music website. I was super into music in college. So I created this blog and it got like maybe 50 visitors total. Um, later on, I wanted to create this app where like you could see if your friends were going out and where they were going. Like I had all these ideas that like none of them panned out. Like they all totally flopped and failed. 
So I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I didn't have an idea and I couldn't, you know, I couldn't go out and ask people for money or I couldn't, you know, support myself without an actual idea. So I kind of resigned to go down the traditional path of, okay, let me get a corporate job. Let me see what that's all about. But in college, I, I was kind of a slacker. Like I never really, I never really studied. I didn't see the point in studying. I didn't, again, think it would like impact my future. So I had terrible grades and I lucked out in like a true form of nepotism and, and privilege. My, my roommate's dad uh, basically just dumped a job in my lap. And so I took that internship. They offered me the job. I didn't negotiate. I didn't interview anywhere else. I didn't apply anywhere else. I just said, yep, I'll take it because I don't have to worry about this anymore. And I can just like have fun my whole senior year. So I graduate and I kind of get slapped in the face by reality. Um, I'm making you know, not very much money. Uh, I can barely afford to cover my car payment, my apartment. So I rack up like 15 grand in credit card debt. Uh, my boss is is uh, not the nicest guy, I think is maybe the, the best way to put it. And uh, we didn't get along. He would tell me things like, you don't have a future in this field, like you're not good enough. Um, it just wasn't a great setup. So I realized I needed to make a switch. And I looked at what I wanted to do, which was to be an entrepreneur. I looked at these people who I wanted to emulate, um, people who are running online businesses, people who are you know talking about owning their time and all this stuff back in you know the early 2010s. And I looked and I said, well, what do these people all know that I don't? And it really came down to like online marketing, digital marketing. So I said, why don't I go into that field? Why don't I work in a corporate job that focuses on digital marketing so that I can build up the experience I need to eventually go full time? And as we talked about in the pre-show, you know, if you asked me like, Austin, what's, what's the ideal life trajectory? Um, I truly believe that the best thing you can do initially is to get into a corporate job that allows you to build the experience you need, uh, pays you enough money to kind of bootstrap yourself and gives you the flexibility to then work on whatever your dream is on the side. So that's essentially the way that I had it set up. Um, but I ran into some issues because I started applying for these jobs the way you always do, right? So I went to my parents and I was like, hey, uh, I'm working in healthcare. I wanna work at Google. Uh, how do I do that? And my parents are probably like, well, you have terrible grades, you work in healthcare, there's no way you're going to work at Google. They didn't say that to me, which was kind of them. But like everybody I spoke to probably was thinking that. But they all told me, you know, they gave me advice because that's what, you know, these types of people do. And that advice was all the same. It was, you know, update your resume, find jobs online, apply for them and just like rinse and repeat and eventually something will work. So I tried that. I did. I applied to like 100 jobs in the first month. Uh, I updated my resume. I did the whole thing. I didn't get a single bite, like not even one interview, all rejections. And I was like, well, what's up, guys? Like, you told me this was the path. This is the system, right, that, that I've bought into and it's not working. So what am I doing wrong? What can I change? And nobody had a good answer for me. Like, everybody just came back and said, like, you don't have enough volume. Like, you need to apply for more jobs. And there were two red flags there for me. The first was that every single person, like my parents who, like, hadn't job searched in 20 years and, like, my career counselor at college, they had the exact same advice. And, like, that didn't really add up to me. And then the second thing was, uh, it just didn't make sense. Like I'm doing this, this process, I'm investing in, I'm putting in the inputs and there are no outputs. And to just be told to do more of that didn't make sense. Like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And that, like, I felt insane. Like dude, I thought I was going crazy. So I needed to find a different way in the door. And to make a long story short, essentially what I realized was, um, you know, I was taking advice from the wrong people. Like all these people had been successful in their own right, but none of them had gone from a job in healthcare with bad grades to Google. So I needed to go find people who did that. 
So essentially what I did was I made a list of criteria for my dream job. Like I want to be working at a Google or a Microsoft. I want to be living in a big city. I want to be making six figures a year. I want to have like the flexibility to work from anywhere. And I basically went out and found people who fit those criteria already, who also came from a non-traditional background. And I just started reaching out to them. And I basically had conversations with like 20 to 30 people. And I pulled out all the common threads. And essentially, there are two things that come out of this. And, and this is a, a, a nutshell version of, of the system. We can dive in way deeper if you want. But basically, the two things that they had in common were, one, every single one of them had gotten a referral. So none of them had gotten their jobs from just sending in online applications. And the second was that each of them found a way to add their value uh, it, it uniquely. So they didn't just rely on a resume or a cover letter or an online application. They were putting together pitch decks or projects. They had a portfolio. They were creating content. Like they had these other ways to illustrate their value that made it much more clear. And so I basically took those two common threads and put them at the center of this new system that I was going to try. And I spent the next two years job searching and basically refining that system. And essentially what that led to was interviews and offers at Google and Microsoft and Twitter and a bunch of other places. I eventually accepted the offer at Microsoft, which we talked about. And then once I got there, so many people from college and elsewhere came to me and they were like, Austin, like, dude, you were the guy with bad grades who never studied. Like, how the heck are you at Microsoft? Like, how'd you do this? So after like the 30th person said that, I was like, oh, maybe there's an idea here. So I packaged it all up in a blog post and I promoted it and it really resonated with a lot of people. And that's essentially where this whole idea started. So that's the backstory. Yeah, no, there's so much value in that. And I think that a lot of people, uh, th they can relate to that because when you're first getting in and, and you hear about this system, but then the system isn't working. And then a lot of people don't know how to figure out how do I go and find a new system or what are the things that I can, you know, uh, apply to what I'm learning. And so I think that what's great about it is you said, hey, I pulled out these two things. And the first thing is a referral. And that's so big on so many levels because people think that like no one makes it on their own. I don't care if we're talking about Jack Dorsey at Twitter or I don't care if we're talking about Elon Musk or whoever. Everybody started out with a vision and a dream in the beginning and they had to go to a banker. They had to go to their parents. They had to go to an engineer. They had to go to somebody to help them. And so you saying, hey, I got in or all of these successful people got in with referrals. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, hopefully, you know, somebody else understands that a light bulb uh, has to go off there, that you need other people. And it's kind of like the book. I want to say it's by Dan Sullivan, Who Not How, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and so phenomenal book. But my question to you is, so when we talk about referrals and a lot of people say, okay, that's fine. But if I want to go land this. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply dream job i don't know anyone who can help me get in mm-hmm. so and and then on top of that here's the other thing just because i do know somebody they may not be willing to put their their stamp of approval on my name so let's talk about that if somebody wants that dream job or this dream opportunity how do they go about it yeah so that's that's the biggest question at the very beginning right and it's really interesting because uh, so I give a, a networking workshop uh, at a bunch of colleges, you know, around the country. And the, the, the way I open it up is I ask the whole class first, you know, how many people in here have heard of the term networking? And like every single hand goes up. And my next question is, okay, like y'all know what networking is. So if I told you, you had to go build a relationship with Casanova, or you had to go build a relationship with a hiring manager at your dream company, like how many people in this room feel confident in the steps that they would take to do that? And typically not a single hand goes up. And I think that perfectly illustrates the issue, which is that the idea of networking is shoved down our throats by everybody. Like everybody tells us to do it, but nobody tells us how to do it. Like nobody explains it in a way that we can comfortably and confidently go take action. And that's actually one of the biggest reasons that I, I started this business. Um, a lot of you know the system that we talk about is, is teaching people how to build relationships. And so what I would say then is, is that puts people in an interesting situation. Like if we know that we're supposed to do something because it's good, but we don't have any idea how to do it. And then you layer that onto the fact that reaching out to strangers is like way outside of most of our comfort zones. What we're going to do is we're going to like dip our toe in the water, but we're going to not really explore. Cause if we're uncomfortable doing something, we're not going to be able to put in the reps that we need to get good. Right? So like, If I'm a basketball player and I want to be like a great free throw shooter, I can't go to the gym and shoot one free throw and walk out and be like, man, I'm not a great free throw shooter. Like what happened? Like I have to go to the gym every day and I need to shoot 50 free throws. And so what I'm getting at, you know, the point is you need those reps, but the problem is it's really hard to get those reps when it's something you're, you're really uncomfortable with or something you don't want to do. And so there's that disconnect there. And the interesting thing is that like, relationships are so natural to us. Like we have been building relationships since the day we were born. Like we're interacting with other babies. We're making friends at school. You know, we're making friends at camp. Like we are meeting and engaging with people our entire life. And we know innately, like there's that person in our life who's like in our inner circle. And we're like, yes, like I love this person. And I know why, like I know the way they make me feel. I know the things that they do that make me feel that way. And then we know that person who like, always is just like they're the worst right like they they, they're they're flaky they never show up for us they talk bad behind our back like and we know why we don't like that person so we innately know the core fundamentals of like a good relationship and a bad relationship and how those start but for some reason when we put this like professional guise on it then people it it all falls apart and people just don't know what to do So really at the end of the day, like if we look at great relationships, they have a couple of common values. So first, um, value is at the core of this. Great relationships all focus on some sort of value. So if you're a student, 
you know, if somebody helps you study, that's value. If you're an entrepreneur and somebody refers a client to you, that's value. If you're a content creator and somebody's sharing your post or liking your post, that's value. Like there are all these different ways that that value can be added. And that's typically where relationships start. But on top of that, that value typically comes, uh, I want to say altruistically, even if the goal is like, I want to build a relationship with Casanova so I can get on his podcast or so, you know, he can refer me to this person he knows. At the beginning, there needs to be some sort of, you know, altruistic motive in terms of I'm going to add value to you and I'm not going to immediately ask you for something. So like, hey, Casanova, Casanova, I left you a review on your podcast. Like, can you now like do this thing for me? I just need to add the value to you. And I need to keep repeating that because you're in the position of leverage. Like you have the thing that I want um, and I genuinely want to build a relationship with you. So I need to show you like, hey, I'm, I'm somebody who's worth investing in. I'm somebody who's worth bringing into your inner circle. So that's where we need to start. We need to start with value and we need to not focus on our ask, but instead at the very beginning, we need to focus on the other person, what they care about, what they want, et cetera. And then that goes into the last piece, which is essentially that relationships are built in layers. And I think what we see a lot of times, whether it's in sales or whether it's in job searching, like people think that a relationship is built in like one message or one Zoom call. Like, hey, if we get a 30 minute coffee, like I'm expecting you to refer me into that job or I'm expecting you to refer me to that client or whatever it is. And that's not really how relationships are built. Instead, like the best relationships are built in these small layers that are kind of stacked on top of each other. So maybe, you know, going back to the podcast as an obvious example, like maybe I leave a review on the podcast and I just screenshot it and send it to you. And I'm like, Casanova, I listened to this episode and I loved it. I left a review, like hope that's helpful. And then next time, like you share an episode and I grab that link and I'm like, hey, I shared this with like 10 of my friends because I thought this specific aspect was so uh, so impactful or empowering. And then I go, maybe then I, I refer a guest to you. I think this person would be a great fit, so on and so forth. I'm adding these little layers of value. I'm not asking for anything. And then maybe eventually we get to the point where you're like, hey, this Austin guy, like pretty cool. Like he's helped me in so many different ways now that if I then ask you for a piece of advice or a call or whatever, I'm not saying it's guaranteed, but I'm saying that you're probably far more likely to say yes to me at that point than you would be if I just showed up and I was like, hey, you don't know me, but like, I wanna be referred to this client or whatever, or I wanna be on your podcast, can we make it happen? Like that's probably gonna be an automatic no. And so what we need to focus on, uh, if, we, if we specifically talk about the job search, but this is super relevant to entrepreneurship as well, any relationship that we wanna build, what we need to do is sit down and look at this other person, we need to research them, we need to get to know them, and we need to say, you know, what does this person care about? Like what's valuable to them? Like how can I be of service to this person? And the way that I liken it, the best example that I have is it's it's kind of like a bank account. So like if I want something from you, let's say I want to I want to be on this podcast and that ask is going to cost me $20. If I have a checking account and I have no money in that account, haven't made any deposits and I try to make that ask, I'm going to overdraw my account and like my bank account, you know, I'm going to be hit with fees and the bank's going to send me emails and all this stuff. And the same with the relationship. You're probably going to be, you're saying no. You're probably going to be maybe rubbed the wrong way or whatever. There are consequences to overdrawing your account uh, in both senses. So instead, what I'm going to work to do is make small deposits, right? Leave that review, uh, share that episode, uh, and refer somebody onto the podcast. And maybe each of those are like $5 deposits. And I eventually work my way up to the $20 where then I can say like, hey, Casanova, like, I've loved like going back and forth, blah, blah, blah. If you ever need a guest to talk about the job search or going from a corporate job to entrepreneurship, like I think I'd be a really good fit, but no pressure, man. Again, 
because I've made those deposits and I'm close to that $20 mark, my chance of you saying yes is so much higher than it would be if I just came in cold. So that's, I think, you know, at the very beginning of, of this long monologue, that's the issue with networking right now is people are just told they need to do it, but they're not given the tools. And then, you know, we kind of went into the correct way to approach it. So that's how I like to think about it. And that's what we see work really well. Yeah, no, there's so much value in that. And I love the the withdrawal in the deposit analogy. I think that a lot of people can understand that. And and that, just like you said, it's at the core. When we're young, we learn to make friends, we have relationships, and it's so easy for us. But I think as we get older, how much thought do you think that it becomes that then we we start to understand that other people have personalities. And so what do I mean by that? When you're young and you're a kid, those you don't understand someone else's personality. Everybody's two years old. Everybody's crying. And you're not really thinking about, oh, why are they crying? You know, or they're just, they're always crying, something like that. But as you get older, and I could say this, I guess, with certainty, because my daughter is now four. And she's like, that little girl is always crying. That little girl <laughs> never listens. But at two, you can't. So like... How much of that do you think becomes a factor? And this is just me curiously asking you that as people get older, they don't want to network because then they have the understanding that one, maybe they could be rejected. And when you're a child, you don't understand rejection. So do you think that that plays a factor or, or what's your take on that? Yeah. So I think there's two sides that you can you can look at this from. There's the, the side of the person uh who's doing the networking, maybe the job seeker or the entrepreneur who's, who's seeking the client. And then there's the other side, who's the, the person who's being networked with. So on the job seeker side, or, or and, and that's what's familiar to me, so I'll, I'll keep that term. The number one reason uh, that, you know, I've talked to thousands and thousands of job seekers, we've done surveys, we've gotten data, like far and away, the number one reason people don't network is out, it, it's fear-based. They're afraid of exactly what you said. They don't want to be rejected. They're afraid of putting themselves out there and, and putting themselves in this vulnerable position where, you know, they, they may not be accepted. And, and that's, I think that's human. Like that, that's something that we all... Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Feel like you can go to the best networker in the world and you could ask them like when you started, like how did you feel? And they would probably tell you that. I certainly felt that like networking was the last thing I wanted to do in my job search because I'm naturally an introvert and I didn't I didn't have four or five or six years of sales experience and business experience and all these tools and tactics that we're talking about. I was just a college kid who thought like I had bad grades and I didn't know what my future was all about. Like what could I add to these people? And it was terrifying. The only reason I started doing it was because my back ended up being against the wall and it was like the only choice left. So I don't blame people for, for feeling that way. Um, but what I would say is, is, you know, once you understand this framework and, and once you get out there and get some reps and realize that one, the rejection isn't personal, um, it's not an indictment of who you are. It's just kind of part of the game. And then then you, you start to understand that, okay, well, if I'm going to get rejected, like I may as well just keep putting myself out there. And eventually somebody's going to say yes. And then you can start testing these tactics and stuff. And the way that helped me overcome it was I, I gamified it. So I basically said, like, I'm going to create this big Excel tracker. And I'm basically going to say, I'm going to try all this stuff. Like I had 
five different email templates that I was running at any given time. They all have different approaches. They all have different language. And I'd send it to people. And initially, like when I reached out to somebody and they didn't respond or they said no, I was crushed. I was like, what's wrong with me? But now when they said no, I'm like, yeah, that's a data point. I love it. Like put it in my spreadsheet. Now I know that this template doesn't work or this template does work. And so by gamifying it, it kind of helped me get over that hump. On the other side, um, on the person who's being networked uh, with, you know, I think what they're worried about is the agenda. So you mentioned like people have personalities and and we kind of get to know people. I think what a lot of people are wary about is like, is somebody else's agenda. And I also think there's a lot of fatigue now with all of the tools that are out there, LinkedIn, email, social media, people are just getting used to being bombarded. And unfortunately, you know, the vast majority of people out there are going to take the road less traveled. Like, if a job description has an easy apply button next to it, like everybody's pressing the easy apply button and the easy apply button doesn't work because it's low hanging fruit and everybody else is doing it. And that's true with pretty much anything in life. So these pers- these people that you're trying to network with, one, they're probably being inundated with these like pretty average, you know, approaches, people just blasting them with cold emails, making asks or whatever. But then they're also going to be wary of the agenda. Like what, what is this person looking for? Why, why does this person want to engage with me? And so I think on both ends, like the, the job seeker is worried about being rejected and they are coming from a place of fear and that doesn't make it as easy to get those reps and get that practice. And then on the other side, we have to be cognizant that this person we're trying to network with uh, probably has their guard up a little bit with a, a stranger who's reaching out to them, you know, on the internet or, or whatever it is. And so in order to be successful, we need to, one, overcome our fear, but then also understand that that the person on the other side probably has some fear as well. And so we need to diffuse that a little bit. And that sounds maybe intimidating. Um, it's really not because you called it out at the end of the day, like we're all people and like we know inherently like what people like and what people don't like. We know what we like and don't like. And the person across from you is no different. So once you simplify it and then you just say like, look, I just want to build a relationship with this person. I want to add value to them. That's where the magic starts to happen. And the last thing I'll say is that I think that gets so much easier when you focus on people that you're genuinely interested in in networking with. Like if you just pick a random person and you're like, I want to network with this person because they work at Google. Like that's a bad reason to connect with somebody because the only thing you care about is working at Google. Like that's what you focused on. Whereas if you find somebody who like, yeah, they work at Google, but they also have this blog that's focused on uh, like this, this hobby that like you are so into as well. Now, all of a sudden there's another layer that's like more personal that you can connect on. You're excited to reach out to them. That's, it's going to be so much easier to overcome both of those barriers on both sides, create that connection. And then, oh, by the way, this person also works at your dream company. Great. Maybe that's a side effect of the relationship as well. So I always viewed it as, let me try to make friends with people. Let me reach out to people that I would want to be friends with, that I would want in my inner circle, whether or not I get a job. And then if I get a job as a result, that's, that's the silver lining. Man, I, I love it. I love it. There's so much value there. And just understanding, and, and I would consider myself to be a, a grade A networker, and it's not to toot my own horn. But for me, I just, I've always had a genuine interest in people, right? And that's what you got to have. And I think a lot of it is just energy and curiosity, right? Everybody has a different story. Everybody have different plights, right? Everybody has different successes. So if you just come in with good energy, that's all you can control at the end of the day. No matter if you're playing sports, if it's your job, if it's, you know, your life, you can only control your energy and your effort. 
which is what I tell my son all the time. And so if you come in with good energy, people are going to instantly attract to you because we can instantly find bad energy all day long. And it always throws us off. So when we find good energy, it's like, listen, I got to find a way to keep myself attracted to that. I got to keep that around me, right? To keep my energy up. And then the second part of it, of what did I say? I said energy. And then uh, I can't remember what the other thing that I said was, but it, it doesn't really matter. Um, I just think that there's so much value there because if you do that and then you couple it with what you said, which was bringing value, you know, to that situation of whatever it is, everybody needs somebody to help them solve something. Right. And and it's easy by just within that first like five minutes of talking to somebody, but more importantly, you listening to that person, they're going to tell you what one of the two of their frustrations are and figure out a way that you could solve that. So I think that that's so much value in what you said. And I think somebody else listening at this, they can apply this just like you said to entrepreneurship or intrapreneurship if they're currently working, you know, for someone else. Now, one of the things that I'm wondering is, um, and I, and I think that it's kind of a crazy question. But at the same time, I think that it's valuable for just to hear your insight on it is right now, we talked about this before the, the show aired, and you were talking about um, that you just talked to a company, the company, or you just talked on a national um, media station about that company who laid off 900 people over Zoom. And obviously, a lot of people are still applying for jobs, but I've also been seeing that a lot of people are leaving their jobs. More than ever, people are leaving their jobs. Where do you see that the job market is going? Because entrepreneurship is becoming that much more popular, the gig economy, the freelance economy, right, creator economy. Where do you see that those things are going? Do you think that now it's going to open it up that a lot more people are going to start looking overseas? Do you think like, what does that look like in your eyes since you're knee deep in this industry? Yeah. So I think there's a lot of stuff that's happening. And I think that we're going to see some of it settle out uh, probably over, over the next year or so. One thing that we've absolutely seen uh, over the past year that the Times uh, wrote a great article um, and I'm trying to remember the name, I think it was the creator economy or something, but essentially th they saw a massive uptick in, uh, the number of younger people. So I, I would say, I think their age range was roughly millennials. Uh, if you want to slap a label on it, uh, leaving their, their jobs for these other careers that, you know, not necessarily like leaving their job to start the next Facebook, but, uh, people are leaving their jobs to start, you know, their their Etsy shop or their, you know, lifestyle business or, you know, they always wanted to try to make a living as a photographer and they're doing these things. And I think that's so cool um, because, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I help people get jobs. That's my, uh, that's my whole deal. But at the same time, I think that if you truly want to be able to live life to, to its fullest and, and tap into you know, everything that it has to offer, I think you do need to create something that is your own. I think you do need to own your time and your income. And that's just a personal belief. Uh, I understand if, you know, if some somebody wants to work a nine to five job for the whole life, that's fine. Like there's nothing wrong with that. It's what you should do uh, or, or you should follow your, you know, your inner voice. Um, but I think it's so cool that more people who have that desire, that entrepreneurial desire are able to take action on it, or at least feel empowered. They were always able to take the action, but I think they feel empowered because this set of circumstances allowed for that to happen. Maybe they got more time working from home, or maybe they just got so fed up with their toxic culture that they were like, screw it. Like if not, if not now, when is it going to happen? So I do think we'll see more people move into that space. 
the only thing is that, you know, as you know, as I know, like it's one thing to say like, yeah, I'm going to go start that Etsy shop. It's another thing to then grow that Etsy shop to a place where it's replacing your income. Right. And that's the hard part. So I think that, uh, I think that right now we're seeing a really interesting, uh, setup in the job market where job seekers have a lot more, uh, leverage and, and negotiating power than they used to have. There are a lot of open roles. Um, you know, companies are worried about people leaving and going elsewhere or leaving and starting their own thing. Uh, it's pretty unprecedented. So, I mean, when we look at where we're going in the next year, a lot of people are being laid off. A lot of people are reassessing. I think what we're going to see, I think we're going to see less of uh, I don't think we're going to see people move away from corporate jobs in like droves and all of a sudden like the corporate job is obsolete. But I think what, we'll, what we will see is more people getting serious about alignment. So taking a step back and saying, hey, I accepted this job at you know better.com, for example, but I was treated like crap and I don't want that to happen again. So what I need to do now is take this time to get really, really clear on what, what I value. Like, is it salary? Is it a manager? Is it the culture? Is it, you know, the team? Is it this, that, and the other thing? And then I need to really work hard to find a job that aligns with those things. And I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to make sacrifices. And the situation as it stands now enables people to do that. So I think what we're going to see is more people being more particular about the career that they go into. I think that some of the people that we see going the creative route and the entrepreneurial route may come back to the corporate world eventually because 90% of startups fail within five years. And that's just, just the way the data is. Um, and so again, you know, I'll restate what I said earlier, but I truly think that the best way for you to maximize upside and minimize risk, especially if you have that entrepreneurial itch is to go find that company that checks those boxes for you that we talked about and gives you the flexibility, gives you the financial, uh, you know, disposable income and gives you the experience and tools you need to build that business that you're looking to build on the side. And then once you get it to a point of critical mass, whatever that is for you, then you can jump ship and you can take that full time. So I'm hoping that that I'm saying all the things that I, I hope will happen that are possible. Um, but I think there's never been a better time for people to be a little bit more choosy about the career that they choose, the job that they choose and the place that they decide to work. Yeah. So much again, value, uh, phenomenal that you, you say, you say so many things that I think a lot of people feel, but they don't act on it. Right. And that is really aligning or going back to really figuring out what is aligning to you. Right. And so what does that mean? And you said it, do you, is it that manager? Is it that the flexibility? Is it just the status of having that job? Right. Because then you know that that's one move to be able to get to another move. If that's your end goal. And I don't think that a lot of people take the time. They just go to um, basically shotgunning to all of these different places. And then all of a sudden they get hired by one and then they, they, they work in there and they find themselves miserable, but then they find themselves stuck because they didn't already have a game plan going into mm -hmm. it, which I think is very, very important. So again, I appreciate you sharing that wisdom and hopefully hearing it from an expert like you in this industry, somebody else can say, Hey, you know what? Now we're in the holiday season, depending on when you're watching this. But for a lot of people, they have way more free time now than they did even six months or two years ago. So they probably have a little bit of time to be able to sit down and almost make that vision or that dream board um, and write down what are the pros and the cons and the must-haves and the must-have-nots and then use that to where they want to be in the next three to five years, uh, which I think could be huge. 
Let me ask you, um, for all of the wisdom that you have now and, and all of the, you know, the things that you've experienced, both being at corporate America and having a lot of success there, but now being an entrepreneur and helping other people, um, if there is one thing that you wish that you would have implemented sooner to accelerate your path on your dream and your goals of where you are today, what would that one thing be? Yeah, so it's, it's funny. I was listening to a couple of the other episodes uh, in, in prep for this. And my, my initial answer in my head was like, well, I wouldn't change anything because, you know, I wouldn't be here without the stuff that that has happened to me. But a couple other people said that and you were like, well, yeah, but then there, you know, there are some things that that I would change. And, and I think we're all there. So the, the best one that I think I can give is uh, I wish that I could have narrowed my focus earlier as an entrepreneur. And so what I mean by that is when I started my business, um, you know, I, I, my background is in SEO. So I started my blog and I was doing SEO and it was doing really well. Like I, I was on the trajectory that I wanted to be on. And then I kind of got caught up in other people's ideas. So people telling me, you know, you gotta, you gotta be on Instagram. You gotta be on LinkedIn. You gotta be doing YouTube. Like if you're not doing Facebook ads, you're missing out and all this stuff. And so I tried to do everything. I tried to do all those channels at once. And I was so frustrated because I wasn't seeing traction. Like I wasn't getting the results that I wanted. And eventually, and, and I was super burned out. Like I hated doing all of them. Event, eventually I, I just said, look, like none of these channels are working. So clearly something needs to change. I don't enjoy doing most of them. So let me take a step back. Let me look at which ones really, really are moving the needle and also which ones do I really like doing? And so what that led me to do was basically scrap all of them except for SEO. And I did that for a year and a half straight. And our traffic went from less than 10K a month to over 100K a month, like just because of that. And then I said, okay, I feel like I have this system down. We've iterated, we've experimented, we've analyzed for a year. Now we're in good shape. What's the next channel? And, and that was LinkedIn. Um, and so I jumped on LinkedIn and in the first year I went from 3000 to a hundred thousand. And then since, you know, we just hit the million follower mark, we, me, um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the best at taking ownership, but, uh, I just hit the million follower mark. But anyways, um, that was the only channel that I focused on for that period of time. And so I think the best thing that you can do is the acronym I heard, I think it was on, uh, it was on a podcast somewhere, but, but basically focus. So follow one course until success. And I think too many people make the mistake of spreading themselves thin rather than dialing into one channel. And I think the best and most real expectation that you can set, set with yourself is when you pick a channel, you essentially need to commit to six to 12 months of upfront investment before you start to see the returns, whether that's a podcast, whether yeah. that's LinkedIn, whether that's a blog, whatever, like you need to sit down and work at it every day. Like you need to spend 30 minutes, an hour, two hours, whatever you can do practicing in this channel and exploring all aspects of it and recognizing like, okay, how does this thing work? And also how do I work and how do I mesh those things together? So to give an example, like on LinkedIn, I never had a goal for followers. I never was like, I want to get to 10,000 in three months or a hundred thousand in this time. Instead, I focused on the system and I basically said, look, like my following is going to grow if I share high quality content. So what do I need to share high quality content? Like one, I need to come up with high quality ideas. Two, I need to learn how to turn those ideas into posts. Three, I need to press share, which is where most people kind of fall off. And then four, I need to use that data from these posts to understand like what's working and what's not. And so that's exactly what I did. Basically, I tasked myself 
to every single day do all four of those things. So I'd come up with a new post idea, I would write a new post, I would press publish on a post, and then I would review my last post. And all of that stuff forced me to come up with this process and refine this process over the course of six to 12 months. And that's when I started to see like those hockey stick results. So, you know, like I said, I started at 3,000, I went to 10,000 in three months, and then I went from 10,000 to 100,000 in the back half of the year. So it was sort of that exponential growth, but it was only possible because I said no to everything else. And I just committed 100% to focusing and learning in this one channel. So I wish I had done that earlier. Uh, and I wish I hadn't tried to spread myself so thin for so long. Man, just, again, just wisdom. And I appreciate you sharing the transparency uh, because a lot of people, they don't have that that goal of six to 12 months. They jump in and within six days, if they if they see crickets, they're like, nope, this this isn't it for me. And it's like, no, it takes a long time because un understandably, even with every social media channel, the way people don't think about it is it is a startup. Everything that when you do this, it's a startup. Right. And it's so funny because for our kids, just like you said, our kids get in the gym or, you know, my son plays a lot of basketball, things like that. But I don't I don't allow him to to ever think that, oh, because it's one bad game or, you know, one bad practice that he's done. It's like, no, it's a journey. It's a process. And I say that because all of us as parents, as older brothers, sisters, grandparents, aunts, uncles, we tell that to the youth all day long. Like it's only one game. Like we still got a long road. But then we become 25. 30 35 which is still not that old even 40 years old and we're like nope can't do it in like six days there's no, we're already done you know so that's so funny that you say that man and hopefully somebody hears this sees this and they're like yeah that makes a lot of sense now the last question that i have for you that if somebody was you know really listening watching this and they say you know what i i love everything that austin has uh shared today and uh, i want to blaze a path similar to his but uh i still have that little voice in my head and that little voice says that i'm not strong enough i'm not smart enough or maybe i just don't have enough resources even after all of the wisdom that you've shared what's the one final thing that you would leave with this person to get them to just take action it's it's so tough because I think that a, a number of factors need to come together for for that to happen. You know, I kind of shared how with the networking piece, like I could have listened to podcasts about networking all day, and and I probably wouldn't have taken action until that point where you know I'd been rejected from hundreds of jobs, and I finally got an interview at one place. I made it through the the one round, and then finally I got called back, and and I was rejected again. And I was just so fed up and like, it was just a culmination of factors that got me to, to finally just say, you know what? I don't care anymore. Like I'm just going to do it. So I'm not sure that any one additional thing that I say will push people over the edge, but I can't emphasize enough how important it is to have that action bias. And I think the biggest thing that people need to understand is like everybody fails. So like you're going to fail, you're going to make mistakes. And anybody that you look up to any content creator, any entrepreneur, anybody who's a role model, like it's been the same for them. But success is, is essentially just bouncing between failures until you get more knowledge, you gain lessons from each one, and then you finally, you know, get some clarity on that path. So the biggest thing I can say in terms of getting started is I guess one, you know, embrace the fact that that's going to happen. And that's normal. Uh, and then on top of that, if you're worried about taking a step, like just break it down into the smallest chunk that, that you can possibly make it 
where it seems okay. So if you want to, you know, become a, a LinkedIn content creator, like come up with one idea for one post today. And then tomorrow, write the first line of that post. And then the next day, maybe write the second line of that post. Or if you want to, let's say, you know, start a podcast, like practice, just, just record yourself for one minute today and, and, you know, turn on the mic, you know, hook up the audio, record yourself, delete it if you want. And then the next day, like do two minutes and then maybe like find a friend you're comfortable with and do one minute with them. And I'm just making this up off the top of my head, but like try to just bring it down to the smallest step where you're like, I can do that and just take that step. And what I found is that even, even if you take super small steps every single day, like you're going to be making way more progress than the person who is still sitting there thinking like, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. And they're just at a standstill. So that's the best advice I can give. And then the rest of it, you just have to have that moment where you're like, this is it. Like, this is the time I'm going to go for it. And then you have to realize that you're going to have the honeymoon period. And then the discipline needs to kick in. Yeah. Phenomenal, phenomenal advice, man. This has been a great conversation. And I want to be the first one, if no one else has told you today, to say thank you. And I appreciate you, my brother. Um, for anybody who wants to stay connected, I know that we'll put uh, all of the links in the show notes to your website and to your courses and whatnot. Um, but for anybody who wants to stay directly connected with you, tell us where can they find you at? Yeah, so I have my own podcast. It's called the Dream Job System Podcast. And basically, I do three episodes a week. It's less than 15 minutes. And the goal is for it to be super actionable. So like you listen to the, the episode. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So you walk away and you know like the exact steps you need to take to do X in the job search. Um, so that's the first place I'd send people. You can definitely follow along on LinkedIn. Um, I'm at uh, in, so it's slash in slash a Belsack, or you can just look up Austin Belsack on LinkedIn. And then my website's cultivatedculture.com and we have a lot of content and tools on there. So those are probably the main spots. Got it. Okay, well, we'll definitely put those in there. And again, I wanna say thank you. Just as he said, Dream Nation, it is not gonna come by you just watching blogs or YouTube, even though, or even just listening to podcasts, even though we love that you're watching and that you're still rocking with us on this episode, but you gotta take action. Otherwise, that dream that you have, and we all have a dream, that dream job that you have even, it will only merely be a fantasy without the action. That's all for this one. We'll catch you on the next one. That's all we got for this episode. Thank you for sticking around. That truly means a lot to me. And hopefully that means that we delivered massive value on this one. If you haven't already, the way that you could say thank you to myself and the team is just by heading over to iTunes and leaving a review and a rating. That's what iTunes loves to see. That's how we get out there even more. And I would definitely, definitely be grateful for it. I know the team would as well. Do me a favor and head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com. That's where you're going to be able to find all of the resources that we talked about in today's episode, as well as more exclusive content. And you'll also be able to sign up to our email list where we have more exclusive content. And we always love to hear the feedback from you all because you're our tribe. So remember, in the dream we trust, we'll see you on the flip side. 